This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I usually uh, I hesitate on that because I couldn't believe they meant me uh, that I'm I'm responsible for providing you to listen and learn. Brad Meltzer, I'm going to pass that mantle on to you. You're the one who's always teaching. You got the Fox Nation series, Brad Meltzer's greatest conspiracies of all time. You got your best, your best multiple best-selling author and author of a brand new book, I Am Oprah Winfrey, part of the Brad Meltzer Ordinary People Change the World series. Brad Meltzer, welcome back. Uh, thank you, my brother, and I appreciate you having me back. And and uh, and I know, I, you know, I knew when we were doing Oprah Winfrey, I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Brian. He's going to give me grief about it. But uh, you know, again, you know that there's no politics in this book. We uh, when we do these books, it's always about the moral lesson we can get for our kids. And I, I just owe you a first a thank you for always supporting this series from the start. It means more than you know. No, I mean Oprah's a great story, and I, I don't really look at her as a political figure, even though she's uh, really focused on that over the years since she stopped her Daily Show. Uh, she's an impactful player. Yeah, no one's been more successful. No, there's more. There's never been. I don't think anybody that I know more corporate corporations have pursued than Oprah Winfrey. I think a latest deal was with Apple. What do you discover in looking at her childhood that can inspire others? Yeah, and the thing is, I don't focus on her fame. The book's not about it. You know, these these books, as you know, are designed to give our kids better heroes of teach them kindness and compassion and and character. That thing that seems lost in America today is character. And what I found about Oprah Winfrey is, I always look what my own kids need. And my kids are anxious right now. They're, they're, we're in an age of anxiety. I wanted to give my kids uh, a book about self-love and acceptance. And Oprah, when she's a little kid, I never knew the story. She's so poor. She's from nothing. No shoes. She wears literally um, you know, a sack as a dress. And she hates her look so much that she used to sleep at night. She thought her nose was so big. She used to sleep with a, 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 a clothespin on her nose to make her nose smaller. And as she gets older and starts being a broadcaster, they tell her she, you know, her body's the wrong type, her skin's too dark. They tell her she cares too much about people. And in one of her first stories, I, I never knew this story, she covers a family whose house burns down. And she goes back the next day to bring the family blankets. And, and the head of her news division says to her, what are you doing? You can't be part of the story. And she says, part of the story? What about being a good person? And I want my kids to know, I want my daughter to know that, and my sons to know that Oprah, her whole life is taught that she's, her body's the wrong size, that she cares too much. There's no such thing. And you know this, Brian, that, that the greatest thing you can do and be is yourself. It's the greatest gift you'll give yourself. And as a book, for a kid's book, that's what I Am Oprah Winfrey is about. Uh, Brad Meltzer, our guest. So that's available now. And it's for hey, what ages? What ages are perfect for this book? Yeah, I mean, people buy them as baby gifts, and I love that. But they're really for ages like four to 12 years old. And I love the people, you know, we've done I Am Amelia Earhart, and I Am Abraham Lincoln, and I Am George Washington, and I Am Walt Disney. And people now use them and they build libraries of real heroes for their kids, their grandkids, their nieces, their nephews. And so Oprah's the 25th book in the series. I can't even believe we got to 25. Wow, that's amazing. So, Brad, there's a big story when you talk about history uh, this week, uh, and it's happening in uh, New York. Where else? 
we find out about Thomas Jefferson. First, there was some rumors they're going to be taking it out. And then the city council said, uh, we're getting so much backlash. Let's reconsider it. Uh, taking Thomas Jefferson, who has been in this hall for over 100 years where the city council sits, and they decide, because he had slaves, the the uh, writer of the Declaration of Independence, the first vice president, first secretary of state, uh, or the former vice president, secretary of state, the third president of the United States, uh, that the city council, they're pulling it out. I have no idea what's going to happen to it. What's your reaction? Yeah, listen, um, you know, I've t- I, we've done 25 of these books. Every single hero I've written about, okay, I get hate mail that says, how could you pick that hero? I got it on Abraham Lincoln. It's Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. I got it on Ben Franklin saying, you own slaves. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, Ben Franklin spent the last years of his life fighting against slavery. And, and, and I, my reaction is simply this, whether it's Thomas Jefferson, like, is if you are looking for perfect people in life, perfect, flawless, there's nobody to write about. There's nobody left. The only perfection in life is God. And everything else, we all have flaws and we all have things. Now, I will say, I saw that, you know, there's a push-pull going on in the country right now, right? You have this Thomas Jefferson thing in New York. I'm sure you saw in Texas yesterday, there's people who are saying, if you teach Anne Frank and the, the Holocaust, you've got to teach the other side and the Nazi view of the Holocaust. And I'm like, no, there's no other side of the Holocaust we need to be teaching. There's one good side and one bad. And I, I think what we're seeing in culture, what we're seeing in New York, what we're seeing there is this kind of battle for, like, who's more right in the world? And I, I personally have no stomach for it. I think it gets us nowhere. It's a race to the bottom. And it I is what busy. We need it's, to do, it's, yeah. we're, we're losing common sense. Oh, absolutely. So uh, I want you to hear the city council talk about their decision that we acknowledge that the piece needs to be removed from the city council chamber. Uh, We as a commission will act before the end of 2021 in finding an appropriate location where it remains in the public realm. I I just don't understand uh, that there seems to be a fundamental un-Americanism, unpatriotic movement in this country. And it is – I remember when they, had, they were trying to move Robert E. Lee's statue and and Pre- President Trump said, I really don't know what you're talking about. If you want to talk about slave owners, what about George Washington? He was a prominent slave owner. Are they going to become from George Washington? Everyone said, come on. That's typical Trumpism. He's uh, trying to deflect. No one's coming for George Washington. They're coming for Washington. They're taking Lincoln off grammar schools. And I think there's got to be a Stranata intellectual pushback. There's got to be a strong pushback for our past. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's so interesting. You and I, last time we spoke, just uh, like two weeks ago, we were talking when they banned our books on Rosa Parks and Dr. King. Which they reversed, and, right? Which they reversed. They did, thanks to you, actually. I, I, I texted you afterwards. I yep. mean, you know, they, they took our books on I Am Rosa Parks and I Am Martin Luther King Jr. And a, a school district in York County, Pennsylvania banned them along with books by Malala and Sesame Street, you know, all these books on race. And the thing that was so disgusting and the the mistake that they made was they picked Rosa Parks and Dr. King. It had nothing to do with me. It was they picked the heroes I wrote about there. And America together was like, no, that's too far. I mean, I spoke to you on, of course, on Fox. I got a call from CNN. When you guys on Fox and CNN agree, you know that whoever we're talking about, they screwed up, right? We, as Americans, we were all like, that is a step too far. And my hope is, is, you know, if we keep sitting there and say, and one side says, you know, you can't have this and the other, you know, we need to have more 
you know, of this of our side, and the other side says you can't have that. I want our. As I said, we're getting nowhere. And what we need more is a little bit of listening, a little bit of calm, a little bit of understanding, and saying, listen, stop looking for for perfection, and then using that to to push forward whatever agenda and whatever side. And I hate to say it, but that is what both sides are doing right now. You're seeing, you know, people are yelling, you know, critical race theory, critical race theory, and and listen, when you say to someone, you know, do you want them indoctrinating your kids? That's a scary word, but that is completely crazy to me. Like no one wants to indoctrinate any kids. If you've met a kindergarten teacher, all they want is to teach your kids how to share, but we're spending so much time screaming at each other that we're not listening to each other. And that's where we get into these arguments and don't say like, how can we do better and teach this part of history and use it to teach that Listen, it, it, we have a complicated history in America, and if we want to make it all perfect, that's not history. That's propaganda. I, I think, too, like you're doing, you're doing a children's book. And by the way, I'm talking about Brad Meltzer, his newest book, 25th book for Gear for Kids. I Am Oprah Winfrey is now out, so go download it, uh, go order it, uh, and then we'll send you a picture of the barge it's stuck on. But it'll eventually get there uh, with our supply chain issues. But, Brad, let's look at uh, critical race theory, for example. I think when you're kids, you can keep it simple. You don't have to, you know, don't, there's slavery and it happened. But as you get older, you definitely dive into it. But uh, we're about the same age. Nobody ever soft-pedaled slavery uh, in my youth. No one ever said slavery was good. No one ever said, well, it made sense. They said it was something in the times. Look at the people that stood up, fought back, and made sure it went away. Look at the Civil War that happened, and that was at the foundation of the reason and look at all uh, the abolitionists, where it came from. There was only one abolitionist movement that came in our country. Why did we need it? Because there were slaves, which was wrong. Everyone gets it. And if you want to modify it, okay. But if you want to say America's based on it, that's where the rubber hits the road. That 1619 project had to have alarmed historians around the country that are used to staying out of the political fray because that started becoming a curriculum in American schools, which created this mobilized parental push. And listen, I think I think it did mobilize historians who are like, no, no, you can't rewrite what the starting of America is. And it's why it got tanked so fast. I think the problem is, is we keep pointing back to that as if that's what's happening today. And it's just not right. Like, I mean, the reason you and I were talking about that ban and, you know, you said it to me and we said it on the air is it's when people take critical race theory and they push it too far and they say, you know what, now everything with race is critical race theory. And that can't be true either. And what we have to find is, again, when we do that, we lose common sense. And what we got to do is make sure, you know, and again, it's, it's your new book, which I read and really, you know, it's so good about Abraham Lincoln and obviously his, his friendship with Frederick Douglass. Right. In, in the wrong hands, in the wrong way, someone would say, well, we don't. Are you trying to inform people about Frederick Douglass or something like that or rewrite it? No. What you're trying to do is show that, man, Abraham Lincoln and, and Frederick Douglass is a complex, amazing friendship, as complex and amazing as America is. And and I think, you know, the reason we can do that is because that's a, a story worth telling. And I think that there are many stories that are worth telling that are getting caught up in this critical race theory net that we have to calm down and say, listen, we just want to, you know, if you say to people, you want people indoctrinating your children, no one does. If you say, hey, should we talk about race in a way, in a, in a sensitive way, so that people understand each other a little bit more and we can maybe get along better? Everyone says yes. It's the same question. It's just a, a question of how scary do you put it. And I think we've got to stop fear-mongering and, and listening. And I think it's, it's where we're going wrong as a culture right now is we're not listening to each other and saying, what do you really want? Because I agree, if we start screaming, 
your version of history is trying to do this and, and you're ruining our culture, we're, we're not talking. There's no dialogue anymore. We're getting nowhere. Yeah, I think the one thing I think we can all agree on, blame America first. It's a bad country based on slavery is not really. Uh, we, our per- big problem was we had too much of a swagger when we traveled around the world. Americans think they, they're the best at everything. Now we, we just want to tell everybody how bad we are. I don't know how this happened. Charles Lane had a great column in the Washington Post today. He said, if you want to honor Colin Powell, put the Jefferson statue back because Colin Powell looked up to Jefferson and he had some quotes. He said uh, the decision um, because the city council makes a decision. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder who owned over 600 human beings. We're not going to have him. But Colin Powell said, I know he knew about slavery. But he worshipped who he became and who he was aside from that, because without him and his great intellect, we wouldn't be the country we are today. His parents wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have come here. Here's what, what Charles Lane writes. Powell almost certainly would have questioned this, taken down the statue, which we just discussed. He often described himself as an admirer of Jefferson and spoke of the inspiration he had drawn from Jefferson's preamble of the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal. And ever since he first memorized the words, that is the instruction of public school teachers in Harlem, New York, in his boyhood. Powell, son of Jamaican immigrants, of course, the first black secretary of state chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was well aware and not an apologist of Jefferson's enslaving and racism. Rather, he insisted that the Declaration inspired to millions for centuries that not enslaving defined Jefferson's principal legacy. And they go on. So nobody, nobody indoctrinated Colin Powell. He was extremely bright and unbelievably successful. CCNY, not West Point. Goes to Vietnam, fights, and rises up the ranks in Washington. Probably could have been president relatively easily. He saw the problem with America's past and also saw its greatness. What happened? Yeah, and listen, I'll tell you my favorite uh, Thomas Jefferson story is when President Bush, George H.W. Bush, was dying. And I couldn't tell the story back then, but I can tell it now. Um, They were bringing in his favorite authors to read to him while he was sick. And I was one of those authors. And they brought me in. The Secret Service said, listen, he's going to be awake for only about five minutes, and he's going to fall asleep. He just sleeps a lot these days. I said, no problem. I'm honored to be here. And we go in. Secret Service leaves. It's my wife and myself, President Bush, and his service dog, Sully. And we know this is the end, Brian. We know it's the end. And I take my copy of The First Conspiracy about the secret plot to kill George Washington, the book I wrote. And I say, sir, you want to read this book? It's on his desk already. And I bring my copy. I say, you want to read it? He says, mm-hmm, because he can't speak at this point. It's either mm-hmm or uh-uh. And I start reading. He falls asleep in five minutes. And I get to those. I get to the scene that I read to him is when George Washington is having the Declaration of Independence read to his troops for the first time, Thomas Jefferson's words. And I get to those Thomas Jefferson words, those words we all know. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And in that moment, President Bush's eyes pop open, and he's locked on me. He's like, like it is an infusion, that Jefferson's words are an infusion to him. And he stays awake with me, and at the end of the chapter, he's still awake. I say, sir, you want to read another chapter? Mm-hmm. And another? Mm-hmm. And another? And instead of being there for five, ten minutes, I'm there for an hour. And I leave him after the hour. I say goodbye to him. I know I'm never going to see him again. And I thank him for everything he's done for me in my career over the years and how kind he's been to my wife and family. And we went to his funeral. And what I remember, Brian, at his funeral is the word that kept being used over and over. That's so important for our discussion here today is this word, decency, decency. 
And yes, he was a decent man, but I think as a culture today, we've gotten that decency and all we're looking for are fistfights. And when you look for a fight, you find it. Yep. Great point. Unbelievable story, Brad. So glad you shared it. Uh, Brad Melter, pick up his newest book, 25th. Uh, so if you want to get your point across to your son or daughter, uh, hand him uh, or her this book, I Am Oprah Winfrey. Great job, Brad. Congratulations, and thanks for endorsing the president and the freedom fighter. Oh, please. You know, uh, it's such a good book. I can't wait for people to be able to read it and see the complexity of Lincoln in America and, and Douglas. It's, it's amazing to do that. Yep, not perfect, but, man, they were both great. Uh, Brad Meltzer, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back with your calls. Don't move. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.